July 21st. Welcome to another edition of No Names All Game, a Penn State football podcast. We are 42 days away from Penn State football. I am your host, Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host, Pat Colicchio. Pat, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, and 42 days is a special one because that is the number of my favorite Penn State football player of all time. Of all time? Of all time. Hit me. Who is it? Mike Marty, baby. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. I thought you were going to say Ellison Jordan. He currently wears it. Oh, no. in a single game. Mike. <laughs> yeah, 42 is a good one, man. Uh, so, like I said, Ellison Jordan currently wearing it. Um, he hasn't actually played. He's been battling some injuries. That was a joke. Mike Marty's a legend. Uh, I think wearing that number during the time that he did, I think we can all relate with that one. A couple of other big I names. I love him. Uh, DJ Dozier wore 42. Yeah. And Lenny Moore, one of the all-time greats. Dozier, he had the uh, the neck roll, right? Yeah, the famous neck roll. Yeah, I think so, guys. Don't, don't I don't know. Fact check me, please. Um, but yeah, we got we got a couple things to go through today. So uh, some quick hitters, things in the news, a couple of recruiting notes, roster moves, and then we're gonna do a spin on what the, what a lot of people are doing in the offseason. A lot of people are counting down their favorite moments from last year or talking about all-time favorite players, just something to yeah. kill the time, right? So we're going to do a little bit of a spin. We're going to do our top three favorite Penn State football moments that we witnessed live. So you had to have been there. Yeah. Hopefully you remember it. Um, <laughs> I had to rule a couple games out. You know how it goes. Um, but we'll get to that. So let's let's jump right in. Uh, a couple of quick hitters here, and I'm going to start with, with Saquon in the news because I'm I'm mildly obsessed. I, I, my name's Chris. I have a problem. We all should be. Uh, so a couple of things we've tweeted out over the last shit month it's been since we've done a, done a podcast. That's on me, on. my bad listeners, whoever uh, whoever's out there. I know you've been hanging on, waiting on bated breath for us to come back. Blame me, Pat. Pat has been ready to go. So <laughs> a couple of things since then. Uh, body issue, uh, man. Oh I, god, the dude is just built like a brick shit house. He's a fucking horse. And I, I will tell you, I, I went back and forth on should I tweet these pictures because it's like, all right, I, I've done nothing but tweet about Saquon. Eventually, I need to move on. But those were too good to not tweet. Too good I've not to. I've never been so happy to see a man's ass in my life. <laughs> those quads, man. He, he, oh. he literally has become known as Saquads now. Yeah. And, and that tweet has garnered the most attention our Twitter account has ever received. Women coming out of the woodworks to tweet the little drooling emojis, yep. uh, calling him a god, saying what they would or wouldn't do. and. We'll leave it at that. This is a family-friendly podcast. But, man, yeah, really cool stuff. A um, lot of videos. He's, he's out working out, apparently in L.A. Um, so for any Damn, new listeners, early. we are actually both out here in L.A., Pat and I, uh, from New York and New Jersey. But we're out here now. So, Saquon, if uh, if you want to hang out, be a guest, friend of the program, please come oh, through. Amazing, that be? Um, but, yeah, working out with Gurley, I mean, and that's just kind of cool. Like, and... And my boy Marcus Allen's with him. Yes, yes, this is true. We did give Get him no a shout attention. Out. We did give him a but shout out. But the benefits. <laughs> yeah, he's in the background of like every video. And the, the video is Saquon and Gurley, Saquon and Gurley. Hey, Marcus, so we got see you. Physical freak right there. We working out with see him. you. Um, but that's just cool. And it's like Gurley was one that always would tweet the Saquon highlights. During, like when he would do something yeah. crazy at Penn State, Gurley would be like, oh, I see you, bro. So it's kind of cool that like they're connecting, um, which is awesome. Uh, funny quote, Eli Manning said he can't stop staring at, at Saquon's legs, which, again, just goes back That's to what we were talking about. Right, and it, it's like, it's so awkward. Eli's actually, he kind of cracks me up with some he's of like, the Saturday Night Live stuff he's done. He's a funny guy. He really is. So him saying that even... even the, the Mannings yeah. are a really hilarious family. Which is crazy that we haven't seen more of Peyton since he retired. I feel like I you know. would see more of him in, in the show oh, business world. Um, so Peyton. Uh, I think mean, maybe he's hanging back after he got accused of that whole Me Too thing at Tennessee. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think he wanted to fly under the radar for a little bit. And moving on. Um, and then the last one was a video that just went around of Saquon dunking ridiculously on some kid. Yes. It looked like, like a family barbecue. 
Um, and he just jaws out to the, to the camera and says, I have my own daughter. I don't got time for this. Um, so that, that's Saquon in the news. But Pat, I do have a confession. Tell me. So I just admitted that I have a problem, a Saquon obsession. And uh, this is a safe space. So I'm going I'm to put this out there. I am, as of today, going to start to try to slowly wean myself off of the Saquon addiction. Oh, how are you going to do it? I don't know. But I've realized that we're 42 days away from football. I can't keep thinking about Saquon. He's moved on, and I wish That's him the true. best of luck. But this is a backfield led by Miles Sanders, who I'm very pumped about. Absolutely. And he's getting nothing but Saquon comparisons. There was actually an article the other day. It was like, Miles Sanders is sick and tired of hearing it. Which I'm is sure like, he is. He is. It was probably, the, the article was probably blown out a little bit. Because um, Miles seems like kind of a quiet kid. And like he's always like respectful to, yeah, yeah. Saquon's taught me a lot. Like, you know, and he said something like... Uh, Hopefully after the first game, you guys won't have to ask me about him anymore. And yeah, everyone right. just spun that. So, Miles, you have my full oh, attention. You are my running back. back um, and that brings us into right into He's got a very watches. different running style than Saquon. He's he does. Not, he's a very sort of um, – you know, he's not reinventing the wheel. Right. He's getting upfield, one or two cuts, and he's going. Which I kind of like because, I mean, don't get me wrong, Saquon flashes and highlights are incredible, Amazing. but – you kind of relied on that because of how the defense approached him. And we've talked about that a yes. couple times to see what There's only like so a, many people you can only run like that if you're a Saquon. Team. Exactly. So to see what miles will bring in, in probably of a more balanced offense will be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but that brings us into watch lists. So I have a feeling I, I, I think I know what your take is going to be on this, but preseason watch mm-hmm. lists. What do you feel? What do you mean? Like, in do you like them? Do you, do you think they're cool? Do you think they're worthwhile? Ah. No, <laughs> that, that's I mean, kinda, we always have like, we, we were just talking about – I was watching a video and we were talking about Denard Robinson yep. from Michigan. Here's a guy who was always on every fucking preseason watch list. Like, this is going to be the year that he explodes. He's going to win the Heisman. He's going to be unstoppable. And he was always, like, the third best quarterback in the Big Ten. Yeah. Which is so. basically what Michigan does, <laughs> just being the third best in the Big Ten. Maybe if you tied your damn shoes, yeah, Denard. Um, but, yeah, I'm the same way, and, and we talked about this, just preseason awards and accolades. It's all like, yes, it's great to be recognized, but it doesn't really mean a whole lot. There's um, always going to be the people on that list who don't live up to the hype yep. because defenses adjust to them. People have seen them, you know. You have to remember, these teams are only seeing them one time each year. Mm-hmm. So you, they got to wait again until next year when that team adjusts to them. Exactly, and I think and that's what happens. And there's always going to be the guy who comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean that's why that's why like preseason betting on the Heisman or on on any of these like long shots is fun because you have no idea what's going to happen. Oh yeah. So a couple of them just to call out, we'll go through. Uh, Trace getting the getting some recognition that he deserves for the Davy O'Brien, which is best yep. quarterback, and then Maxwell Award, which is best player. So if you're the leader of a top twenty-five team, chances are you're probably on that list. But nonetheless, very cool for him. Uh, one I'm actually pretty excited about, Sharif Miller. Uh, we've mm-hmm. talked about him before. He is on the Bednarik Award, which is the best defensive player in the country. Uh, and he's got all of the tools to be just a force on that defensive I line I believe this I year. saw him tweet out earlier this week that um, he, he, I think he guaranteed that they were going to lead the nation in sacks. I, hey, I didn't see it, but that's incredible if it happens. Sharif, live up to that, brother. Uh, Miles Sanders, guy we just talked about on the Dope Walker Award watch list yep. for the best running back. Which is impressive for a guy who's never been a starter. Exactly. And that's like shows what kind super, of talent he has. Yes, super exciting to see that. But again, it's more of like, okay, you're on a you're on a top team, you're gonna be the guy, and we think you're gonna have a really good year. So yeah. very cool, but also very speculative. Uh Nick Scott, uh running back turned safety turned running back turned. He's been all over the place, special teams, mm-hmm. warrior. He's the man, senior. Uh he's on the AFCA Good Works team, which is actually 
one dedicated to community service and giving back to your community, which I, I don't know exactly what he's involved in. Um, I've seen him at Thon every year, like all kinds of good stuff. Um, but that's awesome. That's that's you yeah. know that's Penn State's brand, right? More than just football, for sure. And um, I, I you always love to see a, a Penn Stater who's one of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple more: Connor McGovern, uh, who is our one of our best linemen, probably a center, maybe moving him to guard this year. They're not sure uh, on the Remington Award, which is for best lineman. Uh, John Holland. So this this is another one of you're going to be possibly the guy on on a big team. He's yeah. on the Mackey Award watch list, which goes to the best tight end. In the country, any guess on what John Holland's career stats are? Uh, not a whole lot. I can tell you that he just played behind maybe the best tight end Penn State's ever had. Yeah. So his career stats: three catches for 16 yards. Which let me let me just say this: it, it's not it's not for lack of a, for lack of trying, right? Like you said, yeah. he didn't have the opportunity. He didn't play. He wasn't the starter. But now he's on a watch list for the best tight end in the country. And those are his career stats. It's just it. Like I said, very happy he's getting recognition. I hope that he wins this award and is the best tight end in the country. But it just kind of, like, it diminishes some of, like, these other ones. You're like, you know, people are just on the list because they're on Penn State and they're going to have yeah. a great offense. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. it um, One thing it definitely shows you is just the recruiting powerhouse we've become. And we've got guys who basically haven't seen the field that are on watch lists for best at their position. Yeah, which is which is super cool. And like I said, I'm not trying to be that guy that's, like, diminishing it because John Holland, I dude. Position is all yours, right? Tight end is kind of wide open right now. We've got Nick Bowers, who has, has fought some injuries. Uh, Danny Dalton's a young guy who hasn't quite put it together yet. Wide open. I, I hope he's an absolute stud, but it's just funny how that works. Uh, and then the last one, one I'm genuinely actually excited about, no jokes, is the Dodd Coach of the Year Award, yeah. James Franklin. And that that's cool, man. We, we've talked about how we feel about Coach for, for a couple episodes now. And to see him, again, just get some national recognition is really cool. At, this will be a year that he could definitely prove how good of a coach he is at, with Joe Moorheadley. Absolutely. I think a lot of people love Franklin as a recruiter, don't see him as an as X's and O's guy, and at least somewhat saw Moorhead as the driving force. He was the maestro. He was pulling yeah. the strings. Yep. And I, I think, you know, it could be a, it's a real opportunity for him to show what a great coach he is. Yeah, I agree. And, and we talked about it on one of the previous episodes, not only Moorhead, but you lose Charles Huff, the running back coach, yes. and you lose Josh Gaddis, the wide receivers coach. Basically, your entire offensive staff is gone, and they expect no drop-off with Ricky Ronnie being promoted to offensive coordinator and some other in-house promotions. So, I, really cool say, for Franklin. I think Penn State has to be in the top three teams at recruiting skill position talent. I, I really, really agree. I, I can't Off the top of my head, I can't think of another team that recruits skill players better. It's Alabama. They, they recruit the best line, offensive, defensive line. I, I, that's their brand. 100% agree. Uh, and and they, everything just builds from there. Uh, the one thing I will say is they have incredible wide receivers. receivers. You're over here. Yes. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a beer. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, but continue. My bad. But running you. backs, uh, quarterbacks, and uh, defensive backs. Dean Milner. Dean Milner. Uh, We're Jets fans, yeah. guys. Don't remind but us. But Penn State just does an excellent job under Franklin – Filling these roles, and, I, and I'm happy you said under Franklin because, yeah, we'll get we'll give it to Bill O'Brien a little bit too when he brought in Hackenberg and uh, of and Adam Brenneman, and not to say that Paterno didn't recruit skill as well, but it wasn't the same type. You know, it was Paterno's football was a little bit more of the vanilla and just the well, you know. What I will say is he he loved recruiting athletes. Yes, so he was one of these guys who would recruit the the athlete, not a specific position, just a guy. Yeah, that's and, and that's fair. I, but he. 
I, I, I will say, I mean, we were linebacker you under Paterno. Right, exactly. I feel like it was much more like hard-nosed football, nitty-gritty. Maybe I'm just starting a sentence without knowing where I'm going here. It does depend on you, though, because under one of Penn State's national championship teams, they were an offensive team. Yeah, that's true. When when Blackledge or – Yep. I remember it was Blackledge or Kerry Collins was there. They were putting up like 42 points a game. True. You know, that wasn't like your father's – your, your grandfather's Penn State team. Yeah, and that's probably that's probably what like, my mind is covered in, is just thinking of the old school versus the new school. Uh, and when we get to our top three moments, stay tuned, listeners. I will yeah. talk about one of those Paterno offensive teams. Um, so, yeah, really great to see that resurgence continue to happen. These guys continue to get some recognition. And, and our hope is, hey, the production on the field matches the, the preseason hype. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, and I, I think Franklin does a good job as a, just as sort of a motivator yeah. with – Making you believe your hype, and in a good way. Yep. And kind of telling the players like this: this isn't what's expected of you. Show everyone that you're going to live up to it. That that's the kind of coach he seems like to me. Yeah, I I agree, and it's it, we've talked about it. he's he's kind of that like cheesy rah rah like just you don't know if you really like believe you don't know if he believes what he's saying sometimes yeah. right because he's just so positive sure. all he's the time. But the man's backed it up. So coach, 100%. we hope you win a couple of awards this year. Uh, all right, moving on. We these are called quick hitters. But we're spending a little bit more time on them. Uh, last one, a little bit non non football. Tony Carr. So uh, we tweeted about it. He was drafted number fifty one overall by the Pelicans in the NBA draft. The first time a Penn Stater has been taken in the NBA draft since nineteen ninety nine. Who was it? That's almost twenty years. I don't remember. I tweeted. I don't remember his name. Uh, I'm a terrible host. Yeah, whatever. That's crazy, man. I mean, not not that we've ever been a perennial powerhouse but or any kind of powerhouse zero powerhouse <laughs> in basketball but to have zero draftees like we yeah. had we had uh tim frazier who played in the nba he's still playing in the nba but he wasn't yeah. drafted he was picked up after taylor battle taylor battle legend wasn't drafted. i thought dj newbill had a chance yeah i always liked the way he played agreed um I, I i liked his game so much was he the one that was a tight end too wasn't there one that was like a, a tight end and also played basketball um i mean he certainly wasn't a tight end um the Penn State okay, there's someone I'm thinking of. I'll, I'll think of it later. Um, but yeah, well, Mike Gusecki, who was a great basketball player. True, true. I don't know if you guys heard. We really like Mike. Um, but yeah, he was drafted number 51 overall by the Pelicans, which for an NBA draft is not crazy. That's late in the second round, and I believe there were only two rounds. So it was... There's three. Okay, there's three. But either way, I'm, I'm going to say two. Um, you you're right. But anyway, he was drafted, which was really cool. Like I said, almost 20 years since we've had someone drafted. Uh, we, we discussed that it, you know we were a little skeptical about him leaving early. And uh, what it looks like is he's actually going to be starting his career heading to Italy to play international ball. i got to ask why. Honestly, I don't know how this all works. I've been reading about it all day. and my, my Is he still under like contract with the Pelicans and that's where he's going to be developing? And that's kind of what that's my brain is in a pretzel as I read this stuff. Because what they say is that uh, he the Pelicans will still have – the team will retain his rights for the 2019 to 20 season. So okay. for some reason, he's going to go play in, in Italy. And I'm guessing they're saying he just wasn't going to make the team. Because uh, you think about it, like a basketball team is what, like 12 dudes? Yeah. You know, there's there's not many roster spots uh, open. Only be 10. And they've, they've got apparently some veterans that play guard, and they, they think maybe he wasn't going to okay. make the team. Okay, I think that's great. Yeah. So I just wondered, when play. I first heard that, I was like, what, what the hell is this kid doing? Yeah. But, uh, you know. Why not? Yeah, I, I don't know. Get if to play all season instead of being on the bench? Exactly. And I don't know if that was, like, his choice or if the team tells him, like, he's doing that. But either way... He's going to go over, uh, apparently play under a coach who has tons of experience in the NBA, going to help develop him, and hopefully hopefully lead him back to, to the potential I mean, we all hope he can have. So there's kind of two things you 
one two ways they could go is what experience is more valuable game experience or being around NBA pros? Yeah, I, I think and it's absolutely game experience. Both, both definitely important because I, I don't think you can understand how how much you can learn just from being around NBA veterans and pros, guys who've been in the league. But, I I mean, you can't not play. Yeah. You yeah. have to play. And, that, I mean, that is a good point, right? Ben Simmons, who just won Rookie of the Year, spent his whole first year in, in basically a red shirt because he, he was hurt. Yeah, and right. They talk about how valuable that first year is, just learning the system, being around the guys. So that's fair. But but either way, Tony, um, we hope you do well in Italy. We hope you come back and, and have your shot in the NBA like some of these other guys have. Like I said, Tim Frazier went in you know an uh, unnatural route to the NBA, and he's been playing really well recently too. So um, we'll wrap up the quick hitters there, uh, and we will move into the next section which we are going to call the Recruiting Roundup and Roster Moves. So, like I said, it's been a month since we have last recorded uh, on me, but there, there's been a couple of moves. Uh, first, we're going to start – I don't ever want to be a sad podcast, but we had a little bit of a sad news here. Um, so we are going to start with Nana Asidu, who is a four-star offensive tackle that was coming in this year. He was getting ready for his freshman year. And a couple weeks ago, he broke the news on Twitter that he was actually – Diagnosed with a rare heart condition that will prevent him from playing, and he actually has to retire from his football career before before he ever suits up for the blue and white. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's just literally heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, it's no super tough around it. That sucks. It really does. And the one thing I'll say, and, and I tweeted this too, like, I am super, super happy doctors found this and were able to diagnose it before he went out there to play, continue playing football at the highest level grueling physical yeah, endurance. Before, you know, he collapsed the summer practice. And you, you hear about that. Um, what was it? There was just a program um, that had a kid pass away during practice. Well, no, I mean, Shit, there I was would... a, it was like a five-year period where Maryland. at least one NFL lineman would die in summer practice every fucking year. Yeah, Maryland. Maryland football actually just had um, a kid pass away, and, and I'm sorry I'm blanking on his name, but it's scary shit, man. Like, we, we love this. It's a game, right? Uh, it's a game. We love talking about it. That's why we started this this podcast, but... Shit can be serious. I mean, it's the whole it's the whole CTE conversation that happens at the NFL level now. Um, but like I said, very happy that that they found this before anything got worse. And the coolest part of this story is that Franklin told him, "Your scholarship is safe. You're going to still yeah, be a yeah, part of the team." Awesome. It's just it's amazing. I mean, they they told him like, "Don't worry about a thing. We're going to honor your scholarship. He'll still be part of the team." So I don't know in what role. Like you know, if he'll if he'll help out, if he'll just attend meetings and like be there. Yeah. I mean, hell, maybe he can. Find another passion in coaching or managing or something. Who knows? Like I feel, I just feel bad for the kid. Just, um, I do too, because think about it, like it's you just, so hard to give up football, man. I hey, I never made it past high school, and I still miss those days. I miss football. Every, I was playing football every day, man. And to be a guy who was a four-star recruit for Penn State, he was one of the top offensive tackles in the country. Yeah, like I said four-star like, because it's hard to be a five-star. Probably going to be level. like a two-three-year starter. Mm-hmm. Had a legitimate shot at you know NFL hopes, and it's it's just cut short like that for something you can't control. Absolutely, it's it's really that's sad. Tough. That's that's tough. It's really sad, but very happy that they're honoring a scholarship. Very yes. happy he'll still be part of the team because, like I said, it sucks not to be playing, but to still be a part of the team and be around and and you know make the most out of it. That's you know that's all one you of those can things ask. that makes you proud to be a Penn Stater. Yes, you know there's something that we all loved about this school when we were there, and it's 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 stuff like that. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, shout out to Franklin and the whole athletic staff for 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 doing that. Uh, kudos to you guys. Uh, quick update: I, I searched here. So, uh, Maryland football player Jordan McNair uh, died earlier this this summer in, in practice. So, 
thoughts and prayers to to his yeah. family and the Maryland community. Um, we're not typically a serious podcast, but this is a serious topic. Moving on. Um, so the next one, uh, recruiting roundup roster moves. So this one is not technically a roster move yet, but there's some speculation that. Oh, maybe. Have you seen the Manny Bowen Instagram post? Um, you know I've seen it because I told you about it. <laughs> you like it? Listen, <laughs> listeners, I'm not fooling you. Like I, We've rehearsed this. You know what's coming. I'm sorry. I, I, I tried to pull one over you. It didn't happen. Um, I'll never let, never let him do that to you guys. Don't worry. I'm, I'm here looking out for you. <laughs> so this comes from actually probably just after we recorded our last episodes. Yep. This was on June 21st-ish, about a month ago. Manny Bowen posted an Instagram picture of him, Kabinda, and Mark Salen, uh, in during an Iowa game of what looks like last year. And the caption was just MOOD in all caps with a couple exclamation points. And you could probably take that for anything, right? People read way too far into social media. But what we saw is several current and former players commenting on said post, uh, indicating that maybe Manny Bowen's coming back. So we had John Holland saying, uh, yes, sir, I've been waiting for this joint. Manny says, work to be done. Let's get it. Uh, oh. Nick Scott says, yes, sir. Is this a thing? Y-E-S-S-U-H. I haven't done that one before. I'm going to learn that. Tommy Stevens says, big dog. Uh, Aaron Monroe says, let loose. On and on and on. Basically, everyone's saying, like, uh, way back. Like, let's go. Let's get it. Indicating yep. that maybe he's coming back to the team. And I think he is. So here's the here's the part that, that's tough for me. So from everything that we know, Manny was dismissed from the team for some sort of behavioral issues. Uh, he missed a couple of games last year. He was one of the ones that was suspended for the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. He, he's had his troubles. We don't know what they are because Franklin, you know, kind of keeps it tight to the best. Always, I like that. But man, if Manny Bowen somehow, you know, you know, paid his time, you know, made things right, whatever, whatever the situation was, he worked things out with Coach Franklin. This could be huge for on the yes. field. So I think I think he's coming back. Because he, as someone who had quote unquote behavioral issues, seems very motivated right now. Yeah, and and that that says something to me. And the other thing is, I, so I believe Manny Bowen is a Mike linebacker. Yeah, he's played so he's played multiple, but he would fit naturally at the mic. Huge. Penn State so really don't have a natural Mike linebacker right now. For any listeners, sort of uh, unaware of what we're talking about. There's three inside linebackers that play. There's a Mike, just middle, and there's Sam and Will, strong side and weak side. Now, Penn State has probably the best linebacker recruit coming this year, correct? Micah Parsons? Mike Parsons, yep. And I, I undoubtedly, I think he's going to tear it up. But from what I've heard, he fits more naturally into like a Sam or a Will. Absolutely. Now, what's so important about the Mike linebacker spot is, is it's like the quarterback of, of your defense. That's how it's always described. Yep. The middle inside linebacker is the quarterback of your defense. That was our Mike Maughton. You know? It really was. Oh, I miss him. Mike Cole took on that role at some point. We don't seem to have a clear, natural Mike linebacker successor to Jason Cabin. And that's what's and so it hard. it could be Manny Bowen. And that's what's so hard is because it's not like you just lost anyone. You lost Cabinda, who was truly a leader on a and leader. off the field and, and controlled that defense. So, yeah, it is tough. We have Mike Parsons and... I mean, he was recruited as kind of a do-it-all, everything. Yeah. He was more of like a defensive end, pass rusher. Also, just he, the idea of having a freshman Mike linebacker, I'm not in love with. It's a lot to take in. The jump from high school to college is so ridiculous just in terminology. 
playbook, understanding yeah. the reads. I mean, that's why so many guys redshirt, not just because there's no spot for them, because it takes time to you learn that shit. Um, so, so, yeah, really there's a complex game. Really, really complex. So, so there's a couple options. Um, they've, they've pretty much said Micah's not going to play the middle. It just doesn't fit for him. We have Ellis Brooks, who redshirted last year. He was a late commit, but dude is very much looks the part. Uh, I, I can see him developing into that, but same Essentially, thing. we don't have a Mike linebacker that's ever really played the position in, on the college level. Correct. Yep, you've got Cam Brown, Koa Farmers with some experience at linebacker, but again, they both fit better at the outside. Um, so this is a huge opening, and, and just from an experience standpoint alone, having Manny Bowen would be absolutely huge. His, his stats, honestly, I'll tell you, they don't jump off the charts, partially because he didn't really play many full seasons. Yeah. Um, he had one full season. Let's see if my computer wants to work with me. He had one full season in 2016, registered 67 total tackles, eight and a half for a loss, two sacks. That's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Um, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't shy away from that. <laughs> if, man, if you come not. back and you can give us that, we'll be very happy. Uh, like I, 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 it's one of those things where you, it seems like there's a change in him. I, I agree, and oh, and yeah. he's he's tweeted several things uh, since even that Instagram post of just like. Kind of very like inspirational, like turning yeah. over a new leaf. Well, kind you know of what? Stuff. Make, in a way, I, I I bet being dismissed from the team was probably good for him. It's one of those things where you can do all, you can get told that what you're doing is wrong all the time, but until you have to face consequences, your actions might not actually change. And so all of a sudden, he had to face the consequence of getting thrown off the team, which is huge, and that could have changed him as a person. And I and hope that, so. I, that's what I think is, is happening. I, I really hope so. And, and we'll get into this in a little bit, too. We're, we're going to talk about an incoming transfer, which uh, some behavioral issues yep. as well. Uh, Franklin's not the guy to ever really bend on his stance there. He's not going to give someone a second chance just because they're a good football player. Exactly. Like, he, he needs to see the genuine turn. I agree right? with that. I, I mean, he preaches culture more than anything, right? His, his core values. Like, he is a family guy. He's, he sticks to that. And... He's not going to just give a guy a second chance because we need a middle linebacker. Yes. Um, uh, did I tell you? I think Manny Bowen's coming back. I really fucking hope so. And uh, he he retweeted on New Jersey native too. Is he? Yeah, nice. You would like that. Uh, Manny Bowen tweeted on June 11th, so about the same time, a little bit even before this post, uh, a retweet of an inside Alabama recruiting tweet that was a video of Nick Saban and the title is head coach head coach passionate about giving players a second chance. So. Take that for what you will. We're well, reading he tweeted that, and he's still at Penn State. So think about it that way. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think he's going anywhere else. I think yeah. it's just very topical to what he was trying to say. Yes. Yeah. Hey, he's ready for a second chance. He is not listed on the active roster yet. Uh, we've had some summer workouts, some summer practices. I haven't seen anything, but we're going to keep our fingers crossed on this one. We're going to keep our fingers crossed, first and foremost, that Manny has figured his shit out and, and you know got himself on the right track for whatever that may be. Yeah. And secondly, he comes back and suits up. That would be I, think, I think he's going to. That would be absolutely huge. I think huge. he's going to. Oh, man. All also, right. it would be so Franklin to, like, kind of keep that under wraps and save it for, like, the eve right. of the season, right. you know? Oh, jeez. Like, yeah, just don't tell anyone. Fuck. That would be cool. Um, okay, as I bring up Alabama recruiting, I realized I skipped over a part I wanted to talk about earlier. And oh, we're yeah. not fancy enough to have cool editing software, so you're going to have to listen pretend we were around this. So when we were talking about watch lists, I wanted to bring up Alabama because I said uh, Trace was on the Davey O'Brien award list, which is for the best quarterback in the country. And also on that list is Jalen Hurts. Not on that list is Tua. Mm. So here's my question is, does, do they know something we don't know and Jalen's going to be the starter again? Because everything we've heard, I don't think he is. everything we've heard is it's going to be Tua. 
So why the fuck would Jalen be on a starting list? Or a watch list, rather. Because watch lists are fucking stupid. I said starting list. What the fuck? That was weird. Watch lists um, are dumb. So you've got that quarterback controversy. And um, I believe there was a Tommy Stevens tweet related to that. Did you see that one? Oh, I saw it. All right. Our guy. What do you say? Tell, tell the fans. What do you say? Um, I, I don't have it right in front of me. So I don't have the exact wording. There, there were some emojis involved. I'll pull if it. I'm correct. Uh, there was there was a video from I think it was like an Alabama same thing like fan account. Uh, they're no us, right? Uh, <laughs> feeling dead air, feeling dead air. Uh, wow, the tweet is unavailable. Holy oh, shit! Did he delete it? No, he, his is there. The original Alabama tweet is deleted. Oh no shit! Wow, they're scared well, of Tommy. His response. So Tommy literally just said LOL. Because it was some sort of video about oh, them yeah. having the best quarterback room in the country between Jalen and Tua, and Tommy just Tommy Savage just LOL. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, Trace McSorley is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Absolutely, no doubt. There's there's absolutely no question. I completely agree. Um, I think he's better than Tua, but that's that's yet to be. Decided. Yeah, I don't think there I don't think there's enough experience yes. from Tua. He had an incredible second half he of that is championship 100% game. Percent a better quarterback. Than Jalen Hurts. Though. I agree, and and Jalen Hurts is uh, Jalen Hurts fits what. So the Alabama real question is, is, right? is Tommy Stevens a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts? I would take him. He see, might see, be. See how I didn't even skip a beat right there, Boom. Tommy. I got your back, bro. Uh, Love Tommy. <laughs> all right, we are at about the thirty minute mark, so we're going to keep cruising here uh, to finish up our recruiting roundup and roster moves. We got a couple, couple of actual team specific stuff here. Uh, first one is Andre Robinson. So we talked about this as well. He is a running back that came in in the same class as Saquon. Never really had a shot, obviously. So he decided to transfer. Uh, that was about six months ago that we we heard that he was transferring. But yeah. We haven't found out where he's going. And came out just last week that he lands at the University of Delaware. Uh, FCS school. He joins another former Penn State transfer, Troy Reeder, who was a linebacker with yep. us 2015-ish, I want to say. Oh, nice voice crack, Chris. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I think this is actually kind of a good fit for him. Um, one because it's an Delaware F- is just a smaller Penn State. It, honestly, it kind of is. And and here's the thing: it's an FCS school, so he doesn't lose a year of eligibility. He can play right away, which is kind of cool for for him. He's got two years left. You know, he's not getting younger. Why sit out a year when you can go somewhere and make an impact? So I don't know anything about Delaware's team, obviously. But the only thing I know about Delaware football is Joe Flacco. Yeah, is he elite? I, think so. I don't think so. Uh, he's not elite. Uh, um, looking, no looking at Delaware stats from last year, uh, it's I'm reading an article here from Delaware Online. It says Robinson would join an experienced backfield that returns last year's top ground gainers. And I read this, I'm like, oh, maybe they've got like you know a solid guy or two that like he maybe is going to be fighting for playing time. Their I'm looking top, at it right now. Their top guy, 594 yards. Their next guy, 469, and their next guy, 212. So not a single guy over 600. Did That's their whole clearly, backfield rush for less yards than Saquon Barkley last year? I mean, unless the like the starter left and he was just amazing. But if, I mean, you've got over a thousand yards so. between three guys combined. That sounds like most of the workload. So it definitely is. I, I think Andre's got a real chance to go in there, Nick. I'd be shocked if he's not the starter. You've got an FBS talent guy, a Penn State talent guy, going to an FCS school. He should be able to go in there and show off a little bit, show what he's made of. He was a uh, for us, he had, I want to say, six touchdowns, seven touchdowns over his time. Not a ton of yards, uh, 100 and something. I think like 200 yards How many carries did he even get? Not a whole lot. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, 38 carries for 196 yards. It was a 5.2 average. That's a great. Really good. He was, he was very much like our bowling ball. Um, really good yeah. goal line guy, power guy to complement Saquon's shiftiness. So, I mean, he was, I think he, 
and don't quote me on this, but he was rated as high or maybe even higher than Saquon. I don't think I don't think higher, but I think they were both four stars or three stars yeah. coming in, whatever it was. Um, but it, he just didn't have a chance. So, like yeah, we said, I mean, he was it's one of those things where even though he could be productive at Penn State, he was never going to get enough attention to stand out. He was going to be a role guy, right? And if he has any dreams of playing further on in you know in the NFL, he's going to have to be able to stand out. You got to be the he guy. Can't, yeah, he can't do that at Penn State. He's got a chance to do it at Delaware. Exactly. With with Miles Sanders leading it, we talked about the backups. You've got Ricky Slade, the freshman, coming in yeah. this year. Um, so good luck to Andre Robinson. Uh, apparently, Delaware and Penn State are actually uh, almost uh, in an agreement for a two-year um, contract where they'll play each other. No. I swear to God. I mean, that's what this article says. So oh my God. we play FCS teams, Dude, right? That's no. typically, typically who we open with. Um, How bad would we beat Delaware? Jeez, I don't know. But you know how far they do those things out in advance. We won't see that until yeah. like 2027. Of course. Um, uh, the other transfer news, we got a transfer in. This is what I was talking about for some of the behavior stuff. So yeah. we got a running back from Notre Dame. Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> transfer CJ Holmes. Uh, he was a running back from Notre Dame. Apparently Penn State recruited him when he was in high school. Yeah. He's from Connecticut. He was a four-star recruit. Eventually picked Notre Dame and uh, I guess recently had a shoplifting charge, uh, him and another player, and they were dismissed from the team, uh, coming to Penn State as a walk-on this year. So he won't be eligible to play this year because transferring FBS to FBS. Um, and this is kind of what I was talking about. It, it, it puzzles me for two reasons. One, our running back room is fucking deep. Like I said, we just talked about you've got Miles Sanders, you've got veteran backups in Mark Allen, Jonathan Thomas, So I guess both will be gone after this year. But still, you've got Miles Sanders. You've got Miles Ricky. Sanders only has two years of eligibility left. True. But then you've got Ricky Slade, five-star recruit coming in. And then you've got Devin Ford after him, another top running back coming in. So either way, I, I, it just seems to me if someone's going to try to be the guy, like we just talked about, Penn State doesn't seem like exactly the right spot for that. His sister goes to Penn State. Oh, okay. They she runs that. track at Penn State. All right. Yes. All right. So I think this was as much of a getting his act together move as it was a football move. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, why wouldn't you want to transfer to Penn State? It's, of course. It's a program on the rise. Um, I just meant from a playing time standpoint. He might not get the playing time, but I think, again, I think this is one of those things where all of a sudden he had to face a really serious consequence for a dumb thing that he did, and it, it probably changed him a little bit as a person. Yeah, and, and, and that was going to be my second point. Perhaps is. he made the smart move. You know, I'm going to go join my sister, be around my family, keep me grounded. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. Um, and that, that was going to be my second point is like from a football standpoint, I didn't quite get it. But even from uh, just like a program standpoint, Franklin's not – he's not going to bring in people who have behavioral issues all the time like this. So clearly, and I hope, same thing with CJ here is that, like you said, getting his act together, turning his life around. And one thing they say in this article, which kind of makes sense, is um, he can't play this year, but yeah. you can still practice. And apparently it works kind of same as a red shirt. So if yeah, nothing else, say my guess would he would he would not lose a year of eligibility. Right. Ever. So if nothing else, you get a stud on the scout team back end yeah, and help your team get better. better. Right. So that's kind of that's what is that going to be for our defense? That's a spin I didn't see coming, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it just it puzzled me to see like okay, Notre Dame dismisses this guy for a shoplifting charge, and I didn't read the details. Who knows what he shoplifted? It's shit happens every day in America. He's like nineteen years old. He's yeah. Dead, yeah. I, I I hold no grudge on this kid, but. Again, James Franklin's not the type that's going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go get this guy because someone else like moved on. Yeah, exactly. Him. You got to actually – like, you got to fit the Penn he State mold. something, James Franklin. I, I have to believe I it. I think. Have to believe it. So it um, doesn't have any impact this year, so we're not going to talk a whole lot about it. But 
just pretty cool and noteworthy. Uh, last things on the recruiting roundups, and then we'll get into our final segment of top three moments. A um, couple of commits since our since our last video. So I'll start with um, probably the least exciting, quote unquote. We're very excited for you, but just not that sexy. Uh, a kicker, Anthony De Silva. Was and this the, the kid with the the big boot in the All Star game? No, no, no. He oh, was, yeah, he, this is another one. Um, so we went from having like no kickers to now having I think like four or five competing. I don't know what they're doing down. after we. Just locked up this guy who can kick 60. Yards. No idea either. Um, but what was weird is that uh, James Franklin always does his his tweet when we get a recruit. The we are da 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 yep. better. Always. So he did it for this kid. But then all the beat writers were, were reporting that he's going to be a preferred walk-on. Which Franklin doesn't tweet for, the, for like the walk-ons. Which, I mean, take it or leave it. But I don't know if this kid's going to count against our scholarships or not. I'm, I'm guessing not. Because you don't really have more than one or two scholarship specialists. Uh, but it was just strange kind of how... Franklin tweeted it when he normally doesn't. So yeah, weird. Maybe me reading a little bit too much into things, Probably. but that was the first one. Uh, a little bit sexier and more exciting. Two four-star commits. So first, we got John Dunmore, four-star wide receiver from Florida, and Lance Dixon, four-star linebacker from Michigan. Did someone say linebacker U is back? I mean, between him and Brandon Smith, who, by the way, um, there was some kind of like national high school linebacker expo okay that brand smith went to and they ranked everyone who went there and brand smith came in a close close second for being the most impressive guy there nice and they said that not only is his athleticism is outstanding it's what the one of the quotes was it looked like he was covering eight yards in two steps Damn. which for i mean a linebacker that, that's amazing unreal um but just his ability to read plays and sort of play cat and mouse with the running back so I mean, that, that's exciting to me. A, a guy who is that kind of athletic talent, already has a mind for the game, and knows how to kind of, like, not be too aggressive. You know, isn't going in there, like, head down, getting juked out. Right. He's, he's got the technique. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about him. And, and Lance Dixon, uh, four-star linebacker from Michigan, same thing. Looks the part. Very athletic dude. Uh, and it's – what I'm really excited about both of these guys – we got a wide receiver from Florida and linebacker from Michigan. This is, I won't say uncharted territory, but in the, outside of the last like two years. It's supposed to be someone else's powerhouse. We haven't done well recruiting outside of the Northeast. Like, yeah, we always get our guys from Pennsylvania, uh, the DMV, Jersey, of course. But I think I read something, and again, don't quote me on this one, but John Dunmore from Florida. We had uh, Jordan Miner, a cornerback from Florida in the last class. Prior to those guys, I think it was like one in the last 20 years or something ridiculous like that. Uh, again, don't quote me, but something yeah. crazy. Uh, last year, we had a corner, Trent Gordon from, from Texas, which we don't typically recruit well in. Um, it's just showing the the expansion that Franklin's getting, which is awesome. Um, and you mentioned it, linebacker U is, is coming back in a big way. So we just talked about how some of the glaring holes that we have. But you think about the group that we just brought in last year, Mike Parsons obviously will fit into that role. And Jesse Lucada, a, a Canadian uh, played his played his uh, high school ball in in Pennsylvania. He was not as heavily recruited, uh, not as highly ranked as Micah Parsons. But the dude, looking at his workout videos too, same thing. Just a monster, and I think he's going to be someone that surprises people. So you got those two in this past class. Now upcoming, you got Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon. I mean, this Brandon Smith kid really excites me. He's he seems like the kind of kid who would be. Um, he seems like a Mike linebacker. He, He's in, you know? and and it's I, I always get scared with the five stars and I think I talked about this from the last one I say that a lot I've realized I talked about this previously um, 
But you always talk get, about a lot of stuff. Previously. I do. You always get scared with some of these top recruits because the the game right now is so much in recruiting where kids just flip all the time. It happens. Yeah. Um, breaking news actually about an hour ago, two hours ago, Cameron Kelly, who I spoke about on last episode, committed to Virginia Tech, has decommitted to Virginia Tech. Big time Penn State target, four star defensive back, back on the market. Okay. So yeah, great for us. But that's that's insane. When you get a guy like Brandon Smith, you're like, that's fucking awesome. But I just I hope everything goes the way it's supposed to, and we keep it yeah. until next February. It's a long time. We're in July. That's true. We've got to go. To I have February. a hard time seeing us. just the way our program is going. I don't see us losing a lot of recruits. I agree, and and I will say, and I mean, um, you saw it happen with Micah Parsons. Yeah, where people thought we lost him as a recruit. I did just because he opened his because he was a he committed as a sixteen year old. So crazy. So and crazy. He had to make the, the one of the biggest decisions in his life. Yeah, as a sixteen-year-old, and all he wanted to do was just maybe see what else was out there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and and yeah, so I'm I'm very excited. Uh, Brandon Smith, and he just seems like a great kid too. Uh, everything I've read on him and his family, Lance Dixon, same thing. Uh, a guy from Michigan who clearly could have gone to Michigan or Michigan State with ease picks Penn State. He said he wanted he wanted uh, a group of coaches that that felt like family and cared about his future after football and really believed in like linebackers, which of course it just works. Well, I gotta say, if you're a Michigan kid. There doesn't seem to be a great reason to stay in Michigan right now. Um, Michigan State had a very down season last year. Yeah. And I, that, obviously, that's going to scare people away immediately. We'll see how they bounce back. Yeah, and I think but Michigan, will. I mean, Harbaugh's been there long enough that if something was going to happen, he should be doing better than third in his division every year. Yeah, the problem is they haven't had a quarterback, and this year will be the test because they got Shea Patterson. Yeah. from Ole Miss. He's ready to go. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to move on from that. Huge get in Lance Dixon, linebacker U is back, and really big get in John Dunmore. Like I said, he's a, he's a top wide receiver, but yeah. him being from Florida, us being able to pull some talent from the South, and that's a huge shout out to Jawan Sider, uh, new running backs coach. He used to be at Florida. He's okay. got a huge presence down there, uh, and yeah, big time win there. So I think that's about it for our for our player specific moves. We are coming up just over the forty minute mark, so going to try to keep this thing under an hour. You ready to get into some nostalgia, Pat? Oh, absolutely. Let's go. So this is, like I said, we have not discussed this. Um, listeners, I told you before that I do try to dupe you, but this one's real. Uh, we have not discussed this because I, want, I wanted this to be just a real, genuine conversation. And the reason I thought it would be cool to do moments we witnessed is, yeah, every Penn State moment is awesome. And I, I remember, you know, being in my living room screaming at, and I won't say the play in case it's one of yours that you were at, but I remember, like, certain moments from my living room, and that's awesome. But there yeah. is nothing like being... Being at a there. live Penn State football event. Oh, it's I, magic. It's, I still, it's electric. I still put it out there to this day that it's the best sporting event I've ever been to. Like oh, I've, I've been to a Yankees playoff far. game. I've been to fun Jets games. I've been to Knicks. Oh, I man. was there when the Jets beat the Pats. That, Damn. That, you know that that time. Yeah. Look, the first time we've done it forever. doesn't even compare it's, to a Penn State game. There's something electric about being there live. So we're going to crack through there. our top three moments each. You are the guest. Well, not the guest, but we're in my yeah, we're very fancy apartment. apartments. Beautiful 300 square foot apartment, guys. Not to brag. Um, I will let you go first. We're gonna go just back and forth. We got about 15 minutes left of this episode. Um, so yeah, let's let's get it with what's your number, moment? What did it number feel like? Three, 2010, Penn State versus Michigan on Halloween. Ooh, uh, me and a couple of buddies. Shout out to Alex Canellos from TDX and two two Sig F guys. Shout outs, Brian Adams and your little Willie Young. Woo woo! Did. Back when it was still called Paternoville. Mm. Did Paternoville, camped out all week, and got in that section right behind the goalposts. Oh, man. And 
it was just amazing. Watched watched Evan Royster take the all time uh, rushing spot for Penn State that night. Wow! In an absolute slugfest that I think ended forty one to thirty one with Penn State. Penn State led it all the way from beginning to end, and it was amazing. And just watching them beat Michigan was great. And that, that fucked in our Robinson that they had a quarterback. I remember that game. And it's funny because I almost put that one on my list. It, it was one of my honorable mentions because uh, I was there, uh, I think, at least. Um, yeah, just it. I mean, I've actually never done Paternoville or it's called Nittanyville now. Yeah. Um, that would actually be a cool interview. We should get whoever runs that. These days that kid's from my hometown. The, the kid who used to run it. We should get him it's on from my hometown. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get you on here, whatever your name is. Um, but yeah, that that's I mean that just sounds incredible to to be that close. Like that's the one thing I think I wish I would have done when I was there. Is it was cool just once get that close. Like of course I would sneak down at the end of games, right? But like to watch it the whole game start to end. Well, that, that's part of one of my one of my next. All right, my, actually my next one. I will say no more. All right, so I'm gonna go and uh, sorry, I'm burping, fans. Uh, this one's not gonna resonate with a lot of people, but but hear me out. I promise I'll I'll, I'll bring it back. The year was 2008. Oh, it was August 30th, and Penn State was playing Coastal Carolina. So you're probably thinking, was this your first game ever? Yeah, you got me. So you're probably thinking, Chris, why the fuck is this memorable? Why would you be talking about this? This is the first time I ever stepped foot in Beaver Stadium. I was trying. I was trying to think about anything like it. No, and that's what I mean. I was trying to think about like what were my most memorable games, and that one came to mind that you just spoke about. There were a bunch of them, but. I didn't grow up watching Penn State football. We, we've mentioned this. A lot of people that go to Penn State grow up as Penn State fans. Their yeah. mom and dad went there. They watched games all the time. Dude, I didn't watch college football a lot growing up. It just, I don't know, it wasn't my thing. So I get to Penn State. Everyone's hyping up. These football games are amazing. Go to my first tailgate. Walk in for the first time. And I mean, it was just electric. We're going to say that word over and over again, but it was. Uh, Evan Royster ran for three touchdowns on eight carries. Eight carries, 64 yards, three touchdowns. Stefan Stephon Green, back. Evan Royster was the starting running back, but we, it was just such a blow. It won 66 to 10. Okay. Uh, Stefan Green came in shortly after. He had two scores on 10 carries, and that was the first time I heard the PA announcer, Stefan Green, the ball carrier. Like, yep. You just hear that Everything. shit going. You hear the student section. Uh, it was amazing. And that team, we talked about um, how Penn State has not historically been an offensive powerhouse. That team, man, Daryl Clark, Evan Royster, the wide receiver trio of uh, Dion Butler, Derek Williams, and Jordan Norwood. I love those guys. They were unreal. This game, Derek Williams ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. So it just, it had everything. I love Justin it, King. It, oh, it had running. It had passing. It had defense. It was just my first game ever, and I couldn't have scripted better if I wanted to. So yep. that's my number three. You're number two. Go ahead. Number two. 2011. Joe Paterno's 409th win. Fuck, that was one of mine. <laughs> and I mean, I don't need to tell you how amazing it was. The 409 wins. Yep. There, there's no need for me to tell everyone about that because everyone knows that. But what what just st- stood out to me the most was it was 10-7 with like three seconds left, and Illinois had like a 46 yard field goal. It was something. like a shitty weather game, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like they line up this field goal. And you know how, like, the there's the student section behind the goalpost, but then there's, like, the other student section up on the side. Right. I'm not even joking. Almost the entire side student section just sprinted 
over to the, like behind the goalposts, and somehow the everyone just squeezed into that student section behind the goalpost to just scream and <laughs> jump and yell at this kicker, and then he misses it, and when well, we blocked it, yep, we blocked yep. it, and it was just insane. It was amazing. It was it was euphoria because the game itself didn't mean that much, like. If it yeah, wasn't, if Penn, it wasn't State, his, Illinois, Penn State, Illinois, it was crazy. The game. team wasn't that great that year. But that significance of 409, which, yeah. again, and say what you will about Joe Plus, say what you will about everything happened. that happened. Yes, like the way it ended. I remember watching those highlights like afterwards. Because I've never been involved in, I've never seen that at a sporting event. Like, yeah, just the way the entire just student running over ran over to one section just to psych out this kicker. Yeah, it that's was, a, it was amazing. That's a really good one. I did have that on my list, but I had a feeling you were going to take it. That's the only one I thought we were going to overlap on. So that's fine. I can't prepare. I got backups. Um, all right, my number two, uh, and I don't think you're going to have either of my last ones. So I think I'm safe here. Number two is two years ago, the Rose Bowl. Ooh, we I lost there. to USC. I was here, so I was living in Northern California at the time. Drove down here uh, to L.A. It was my first time in L.A. and shit, ages. I couldn't even tell you. And the atmosphere, because it was I, I've been to Penn State away games before, and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're whatever. This shit was like Penn State West. It was it yeah. was nuts how many fans were out here walking through the tailgate fields. It, like, it honestly felt like a home game. And then you get into the stadium, because we're, we're playing USC. We're in L.A. Of course, yeah. it's going to be their turf. You get into the stadium, and the tailgate fe- fields felt like, shit, there's a home game. It's going to be great. You get in, and the entire stadium, for a good portion, is covered in the red and gold. And I'm like, well, shit. And then people start filling in a little bit more. It gets to more of like a, maybe a 40-60 in yeah. favor of USC. And the game starts out not so great, where we get in the hole. Yeah. And then we start battling back. Oh, man. And we start battling back. And at game. one point, we scored seven touchdowns in a row. Like, yeah. Someone, someone checked my math, but I'm pretty sure. Guy. Seven offensive series, we scored touchdowns in a row. And I'll never forget, I'll wrap on this because I know we're getting close on time. My favorite thing in the world, the the Saquon highlight that has been played on repeat forever. Oh, he bounces through like well, six defenders. Time to ever see. So it's, it's right after halftime, I think. Maybe after a third quarter. It was, I think it was right was after the halftime when that happened. I, so listen, I went to, we went to the bathroom, went to get our snacks, like we're refueling. And we walk in and we're walking up to our seats. And I remember, I don't know why, but I just had this feeling. I was like, wait, 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 let's just, let's just stop and watch for a minute. And it was me and, and the group I was with. Yeah. I'm like, just keep walking. We're in people's way. I was like, no, no, just, just for one minute. And then he snaps, and he takes off, and I just fucking lose my mind. And uh, one of the most heartbreaking losses I've ever seen. Those were um, the worst nights I've ever had. Because, man, some, some of those plays, like the Saquon run, uh, there was a Kasicki touchdown, there was a, a Chris Godwin it touchdown. Was there was, it was an incredible game. The only thing that could have made it better was to walk out there with a win. Well, but yeah. Number two on my all-time list, it was, it was euphoric. So my number one is 2012 homecoming against Northwestern. Oh. I, I think Northwestern came in 5-0 and in the Big Ten. They were a ranked team, and we were not. Oh, wow. Okay. So, rare, you know, event where we were underdogs to Northwestern for our yeah. homecoming game. And, you know, this was one year after Joe Pye. Bill O'Brien, people weren't sure where the program was going to be. I had people, you know, non-Penn Sitters telling me that Penn State was going to be a D2 program, essentially. Oh, that hurts. That, that, I actual, those were actual things that people were talking about. That hurts. And Penn State went down early. I think like 21 to 7, 21 to 10, maybe. 
And then all of a sudden we start. And to the, I, one thing I'll never forget is that the Northwestern players were on the sidelines, like, you know, you did like arms up, like pumping the crowd up. Yeah. They were doing that, like, ironically to us. Oh, shit. Because they were winning. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we start storming back and Mike Maudie is all over the field. <laughs> and I, I, just, I have this one thing I'll never forget where after we're like, they, they have lost hope all of a sudden. After all their cockiness and everything, they are so deflated. And they, they called a timeout and they're like a huddle on the side of the field. And Mike Maudie is just Literally in their huddle, not like tr- not like Lance Stevenson in the Cavs, right, like right. trying to psych them out. Not He's in their huddle, screaming at them, oh my just God. screaming in their faces, and it was amazing. He's the most insane guy I've ever seen. I'm insane, on absolutely field. insane. And Mike's so my two favorite Penn State football players ever: Mike Bowdy and Mike Zordich. Yep. And Mike Zordich scored two touchdowns that game. I think, mm-hmm. dude, it was just amazing. I remember, it. and I absolutely remember the that sort one. of like the. The highs and lows of emotions of we're about to lose our homecoming game to this might be the best comeback I've ever seen at, at live at a Penn State game. And, you know, I'm happy that you picked that as your first because mine's going to be very similar of just a tidal wave of emotions. And that's the best kind of fucking sporting event you could ever be at. I really do believe that. Like a blowout is fun for about 10 minutes and then you get over it. So my number one, and I'm – potentially getting a FaceTime right now, so I'm hoping my computer doesn't stop recording. I think we're going to be okay. My number one is actually going to be the same year as that Rose Bowl that I just spoke to, and it was the Big Ten Championship game, the game before. So I was living in California, Northern California at the time. I had a bunch of friends on the East Coast. Once we – because that was the year. To get into the Big Ten Championship, we needed some luck. We needed uh, Ohio State to beat Michigan in their last game. And then did Iowa beat – It was something – Ohio State? Nah, yeah, because yeah, we needed them to lose twice, yeah. right? Iowa yes. beat Ohio State. Yeah, so we needed some crazy shit to happen, and it happened. And I remember right after that game, because it was the one where, like, uh, JT Barrett, was he over the line? Was he, was he not over the line? After that game, I had a couple friends shout out. Luis Ramos, Lee Slosberg, Ryan Liver. I hope you guys are listening. Uh, we all just started texting each other. We're like, we're going, right? We're going to Indy. We're going to the Big Ten Championship, because... I don't think we've been in the Big Ten Championship, like as, as it's known now since then, right? Because the, the new Big Ten Championship, East-West, when it was called Legends oh, Leaders. Oh, certainly not. We have I don't, yeah, because that's only been the last five or six years. Yeah. I mean, um, we hadn't been to a Big Ten Championship anyway, at least in... Well, it used to be just the winner of the whole thing. Yeah, I think champion. the last time we were the Big Ten Champs was in... There was a year where we were eight? Yeah, something like 08? that. But, but that if was, not, it was back when game. we won the, the Orange Bowl. No, I think I think it might have been 08. I think we yeah. might have had a share of it or something like that. Um, but there wasn't a game, right? So this is yes. in Indianapolis for some at the Big Ten Championship Lucas Oil game. Stadium, and the emotions were unreal because we got there, and of course we go out the first night. Same thing. Penn State travels well. There's a ton of Penn Staters there. Yep. We're having fun at the bar. People are singing the, the songs. Uh, the, the crazies are there. The dudes that wear like the, yeah, uh, yeah. the big shoulder pads and helmets. It was incredible. Just awesome, awesome environment. And then we get into the stadium. We had pretty decent seats, um, good view of everything. And the game starts off not so great. And we're like, well, shit. Ugh. We came out here for this. Like, I bought a plane ticket last minute. The guys in the East Coast drove like 13 hours, whatever it is, to get there. We're like, fuck, this is going to suck. And then some magic starts happening. We were happening. such a second-half team that and season. And then some magic starts <laughs> happening. So we get a touchdown to Mike Gesicki in the right side of the end zone. That was a ball, I don't know if it was perfectly placed or if it was a little bit of luck, but Gusicki does like a 360 while he's going down. Grab it, it was gorgeous. Uh, right before halftime, I think, 
Blacknell scored a touchdown that he yeah. shouldn't have. Like, it was a terrible defensive play. But he scored, we're like, holy shit, we're right was back it, in this. Was thing. that the one where the ball bounced the defender and he caught it? Uh, no, that was, um, that was a different one. Because th- this one, it was like he caught it and the defender just, like, kind of, like, looked at him weird and he just okay. blew by him. I was um, watching this game at work. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. So we go into the second half. We're like, oh, shit, we got this. We got this. Like, things are coming back. I will tell you, one of, not even one of my favorite play that I've ever seen live, even better than the Saquon hurtling through everyone at USC, because mm-hmm. as good as that was, this one meant more to me, was a wheel route in which Saquon beat, I think it was TJ Watt. It was yeah. the most perfectly thrown ball I've ever seen in my life. I've watched that highlight so many times, and being there live, losing my 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 mind. We were jumping up, we're screaming, my voice is gone, and then it ends on a fourth down stop. Yeah, from Grant Haley and Marcus Allen. Oh, and it's just the same guys that did this, the block and return yeah. at the Ohio State game in, in playmakers, baby. I mean, it was just. The atmosphere in that place, Franklin giving his speech afterwards. Um, I don't know how much this was played on the air, but he gave a speech about uh, college football uh, playoff because we had a shot at being in. Yeah. And we were a two-loss team where we, sh- we should have had a chance. And uh, he gave a speech. He's like, you know, they say you can overcome early defeats with late great success or something like that. And he goes, it's on you now, the committee. And the whole place just loses it. It was, oh, I love it was incredible. We went out and we drank that town dry that night. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. And I don't know if I will feel that euphoria again, but kidding, I will whenever we win a national championship because I will be there in the next probably oh, one to three years. I haven't been to a Penn State game since 2014, and I can't wait to, to go again. I haven't been to Beaver Stadium in a minute, so those are, those are the last two games I went to. It was the, yeah. the Big Ten Championship and the Rose Bowl. Um, we should plan a trip this year. We should go back. Hopefully, we'll have uh, some listeners at that point. We'll be yeah. like, uh, hey, you guys want to meet up? Let's hang out. Do a bowl podcast. Hell yes. Um, yeah, man. That's it's. I love reliving some great moments. I yes. really do. It's fucking awesome. All right. We are at 58 minutes. We're going to wrap this one up. Absolutely. That was fun. I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, there were two things I wanted to talk about. Oh, shit. Uh, in the wrestling wrestling. World that we couldn't get to. So, I want to give a quick shout out. We're going to talk about it next week. Uh, Ed Ruth and Nico Megalutis. Big news in their lives. Two all-time great Penn State wrestlers. Can't wait to talk about you guys on the next episode. Absolutely. That's on me, too. Fuck, I really suck. No, no, we just got so excited. Yes, 100%. That will be a block in the next episode. Thank you guys for listening, as always. If you like us, tell your friends. uh, Share us on Twitter. Right now, we are on iTunes and Anchor, the Anchor Mm -hmm. app. Uh, We've had a couple of people ask about Spotify and Google Music. So we're working on it. We're trying to get uh, to as many platforms as we can. But we really appreciate it. If anyone should get us on Google Music, it's you. Yeah, that's true. My bad, guys. Uh, but uh, that is it for us. Follow us at No Names All Game on Twitter. Um, I think we're gonna get an Instagram going soon. I feel like I, that's I a new just way. got an Instagram. Did you? I buckled. I Welcome. Got Instagram. Welcome. Yeah. How do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's the new wave. So we will leave it at that. Thank you all as always. Have a great week. Uh, hopefully, five weeks from now, six weeks from now, we will be recapping Penn State's first first victory, victory baby. of the year. We are. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.